giving you a reason to listen to the radio on a Sunday night. It is your over 40 ex-rock DJ, the brilliant mind, the world's greatest radio personality who just happens to be broadcasting right here live and local directly to you right now. So stop whatever you're doing. Put down the Facebook for two hours. Okay, drop the remote to the TV. You're just flipping through Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus and you spend the whole evening trying to find something to watch instead of just finding something to watch. You've already found this, so just stop everything else and listen to it. Get you a nice beverage, you know, cup of coffee, a beer, shot of whiskey, whatever. Just do it responsibly. Don't drive. And lay back and relax. As we make the offer to take your phone calls here at 573-431-1000. If you have any questions or comments, want to be on the program, you like it, you don't like it, We're going to be pretty heavy on COVID and diseases this week. And then in the second hour, we'll be talking about the latest with the election audit. Wisconsin's the latest to get in on the election audit thing. And we have a nice biased piece of non-journalism from the Associated Press that we're going to share with you. Plus, uh, J.B. Pritzker, the governor of Illinois, is in the news. Or as people I know back home say it, Illinois grow up their whole life not knowing that that's not the proper way to say it and then at the top of the second hour live in the studio hope he brought an umbrella ben bradley from the mark mccloskey for u.s senate campaign will be in that chair right over there at the top of the next hour on the richard case not not behind you the chair over there to your right jared's looking like a dog on a car right you what what where thanks for the water by the way that was very white of you to to give me that very charitable. I forgot mine down in the car, and I'm on this water kick, although I'm on a coffee kick at the moment. But just real quick, a couple of things I want to touch on. The January 6th commission, that really accomplished a lot, didn't it? You haven't heard a thing about it since the day it happened, and those four cops, if they were real cops, maybe they were, I don't know. But they have served their purpose, and other than probably Michael Finoke, who's going to end up hosting, like, Gold Rush Washington, D.C. or something like that, you've seen the last of them. They have served their purpose. You're never going to see them again, especially these four D.C. cops that suicided themselves this past week. <clears throat> right. Yeah. <laughs> Just four, four cops that were supposedly two capital cops and two D.C. Metro cops that were supposedly in the blank fighting off these Naziistic and savage Trump protesters, and they could at least make it to the fake commission. Not four four more Capitol cops or D.C. cops, whichever branch they were. No, they couldn't take it at all, and they had to go ahead and end it. Sure they did. Sure. So I don't know if it's allergies or what, I know that my sense of smell is finally starting to return. I had I had what I'm calling COVID light. I had a touch of the COVID. I had all the basic symptoms aside from the respiratory issues, but it had put me down for a couple of days, probably a month and a half ago, but I had the version that I call COVID light. 
but mainly the sense of smell has been the one that's been lagging behind, and suddenly certain smells, uh, some good, some offensive, some just downright putrid, they're starting to return to me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what that smells like. Oh, yeah, I, I guess that's what needing to take a shower smells like. But the one of the byproducts of that is my nose has been itching for days. And normally, I'm like a four or five sneeze a day or, or sneezer a day, whichever the proper syntax is. I used to work at a warehouse, and I used to carry these bags of gypsum dust and quick crete and so over time all this would just build up into my sinuses i'd go blow my nose it looks like a gravel pit right there in a kleenex so as a result i've been sneezing four or five times a day since like uh 2007 something like that no stranger to sneezing but the past couple of days we're talking 50 60 sneezes a day and i'm not sick i, I i'm not feverish i don't have it's either allergies or or it's probably my sense of smell returning from having COVID light a uh, month and a half or so ago. Young Jared, did you see? I don't even remember what the event was. It was, oh, he was giving a speech about something, but did you see the outfit Biden was wearing the other day, a couple of days ago? I did not. It. I think it's the same. All the presidents, they have their tan outfit they like to bust out. Mo- most presidents, you see them in a dark suit and a white shirt and a little bit of color in the tie for personality. Every once in a blue moon, Obama, he broke out the tan suit and he looked like he was going on safari. Biden, he broke out the tan suit the other day and it honestly looked like he dressed himself. The shirt didn't go with the jacket. The tie looked like a pot tie or something. It was just a black tie and it looked like it had pot leaves all over it. He probably thought, oh, those are nice, pretty flowers. I'm going to put that on my tie and go out and address the people. So he looked like if, you know, you give a five-year-old ten minutes to dress themselves, they come out with a boot on their head somehow, a a mitten on their foot. Um, We've been talking about this off and on here and there. I am not vaccinated. That's a choice everyone has to make for themselves. I think by the end of this show, I will have probably convinced you not to do that. Young Jared, on the other hand, he he did what he thought he had to do, and he got vaccinated. Reba McIntyre. I just read this before I came up here tonight. Country star Reba McIntyre vaccinated and then got COVID. So, Governor Parsons, you didn't take Governor Parsons' bribe, did you? See, if you would have waited a little longer, you could have gotten, I think, 10 bucks, And then, let me see what the what the figure is here, because that's the latest thing. July 21st, Governor Mike Parson on Facebook. Today we announced the launch of a statewide COVID-19 vaccination incentive program, MoVIP, to encourage vaccination among all Missourians aged 12 and up. Over the next three months, 900 Missourians who have or will choose to be vaccinated will win cash or education savings account prizes in the amount of $10,000, Johnny. We understand that some Missourians are hesitant toward getting the vaccine. Yeah, like me. But we all must uh, take personal responsibility and do right by our own health. Yeah, 
I am. I'm not getting the thing. And over the course of the next couple of hours, you are going to find out why now. And, and some, I, I think in, in Jared's case, he, he took the vaccine. He got sick about 40 days later. He came through it. So he's probably on the, on the end of it as far as now it's just in his system and hopefully it'll do what it's supposed to do. Some people's reactions have been far worse. So, and one other thing before we go to break, just very quickly, um, someone I know who, they love Facebook. It's all they do. They're, they, they would do anything in the world if it meant getting to go on Facebook and, and go on there and comment and everything that much quicker and, He's like, oh, check out this comment I just sent out. Oh, oh, I just blasted out this comment. Oh, I'm going to get banned. And I finally said, you spend too much time on Facebook. You have bills piling up. You're wondering where money's going to come from. Work's been a little tight. Uh, maybe you shouldn't really care so much about it. Oh, it's just a game. It's just a game I play. You're the only one playing it. Facebook doesn't care. Just like me, I've been shadow banned. Anything that I post, eight people are seeing. I got 4,000 and change in Facebook friends, okay? I got 1,000 people who like the Richard Kaysen comedy page on Facebook. So you would think that that would translate into a dollar a month subscription into the dollar club. No. No, it doesn't. They just like things that Facebook tells them to like. And then Facebook gets hip to what I'm about and they're like, oh, we don't like that. And none of my stuff gets out. So quit wasting time on Facebook. Again, if you're on it while you're listening, to, just put it down and listen. You're, you're going to miss something. There's so This is such a multi-layered show. I'm talking to you calm right now. I may throw a coffee mug right out the window in anger. You never know what's going to happen on this show. So you always got to be listening. And the YouTube prophets that I keep hearing about that are predicting... They're like these political prophets. Oh, God spoke to me, and he said that in the middle of August, uh, Trump's going to come back to power and everything. And according to these YouTube prophets that, again, people I know watch, Biden wasn't even supposed to be in there. Not the last minute. Something's going to happen, and Biden's, well, that didn't happen. And currently, we are stuck with him. But these people who refer to themselves as prophets, you know, self-proclaimed prophet. Oh, I had a vision. You know, I took my 15th trip up to heaven today, and this is the latest message I got, and I'm going to bring it to you. No, you're not. No. Look, as I told this person, they are the same as me. They just lean a little more on the God thing and on the religion thing. They are on YouTube, just like me. Oh, but they're not asking for money. They don't have to ask for money because you're watching them. And their YouTube account is linked into their bank account. And so for every video that's got 350, 400,000 views, that's probably a few thousand dollars in their bank account. So the only profits when it comes to this thing that are involved are of the P-R-O-F-I-T-S variety.
all over socialist media. Find me on that fascist book. What am I on there? Uh, the Richard Kaysen, that's right. Or like the Richard Kaysen comedy page. Or you can find me on Instagram, at Pictured Kaysen. Or you can find me on Getter. What am I on there? I just type in Richard Kaysen into that search bar. Or into the parlor search bar. And that's where you will be able to find me all over that socialist media. Yeah, go ahead and crank that computer up all the way, because... A couple of these uh, news clips are going to be a little on the quiet side. but So we're kind of sort of focusing on infectious diseases, COVID specifically, but I, I've got a rather lengthy montage that I want to play for you. We're going to get as much of it in as we can in this hour, and if we have to take some other time. I keep looking up at that clock, and it's gone. Battery went out in the clock because... Because there was a power outage, and I guess it affected even battery-powered clocks because that thing was reading 8 o'clock when we got here. But anyway, I got a a lengthy thing that I want to play for you as far as infectious diseases goes. Now, currently, keep in mind, these are the numbers that we're told. I don't know if I believe them or not, but these are the numbers that we're told. Currently, there have been 201 million diagnosed cases of COVID-19. Now, just for the record, if you don't know what COVID-19 stands for, I thought this meant like the 19th version of this. No, COVID, which is coronavirus disease compressed into one word, COVID-19. It was discovered in December 2019. Of course, we didn't find out about it for three months. Kind of like another disease. There was a disease that had been around for a good long while before most people ever knew what it was, in some cases before some people even knew that they had it. See, in 1982, a mysterious disease that the medical community had been studying for at least a year a year or so was finally getting mainstream media attention. It was sudden. It was what they thought was, at the time, a transmittable form of cancer. Among the gay population, intravenous drug users, and Haitian immigrants. Here's a clip from the CBS Evening News with Dan Rather. June 12th, 1982. Federal health officials consider it an epidemic, yet you rarely hear a thing about it. At first, it seemed to strike only one segment of the population. Now, Barry Peterson tells us this is no longer the case. It was, it was devastating, you know. I'm, at that time, I was 29 years old. To, to be told that I had uh, cancer was just, it to turned me around. Bobby um, Campbell is fighting for his life, one of a rapidly growing group whose battle has fascinated and frightened modern medicine. He has Kaposi sarcoma, a deadly skin cancer that first appeared on the bottom of his feet as spots the size of a quarter. There is a one in five Keep in mind, here's a doctor looking at this condition, not wearing it's gloves. It's a disease first detected in the gay idea. community that is now spread beyond that. A disease experts are now calling a national epidemic. There are more lives claimed, victims claimed, than, than toxic shock and Legionnaire's disease combined. This is Larry Kramer, a gay health activist. And yet most activist. of the country doesn't know about this cancer. Legion- Why? Well, I think it's because it's a gay cancer. It appeared a year ago in New York's gay community, then in the gay communities in San Francisco and Los Angeles. Now it's been detected in Haitian refugees. No one knows why. And in heavy drug users, especially in New York City. 
No one knows why. And in some people with hemophilia, a disease that prevents blood clotting so the patient needs frequent blood transfusions. Why? I like in the picture how it said drug users, and in the picture it has a couple of lines of cocaine, a couple of joints, which, you know, you're not, unless you got a bloody straw, you know, you're not going to, but yes, if you are an intravenous drug user, that's one way to transmit this thing. Passing bad blood between users. That's, they, they didn't understand that you could transmit diseases like that. In 1982, they didn't get it. Hemophiliacs, well, that's very easily explainable. Uh, bad blood transfusions. Haitian refugees, I will explain that one a little bit later, and whenever I get a chance to explain it, it's going to be way at the end of this presentation, but we got to take a break. We will be right back. <laughs> Five seven three four three one one thousand is the telephone number. Love to hear from you. Oh, that'd be just great, wouldn't it? Five seven three four three one one zero zero zero. I thought moments before we were gonna have to come back. I thought I was gonna have to sneeze. I was gonna try to save it for on the air. You never know, young Jared. Before the end of the show, you may get to hear a classic. Richard Kaysen's sneeze. It vibrates rooms. It shatters windows. Rivers change their course. All sorts of things happen when I... Because I don't I don't hold anything back. You know, some women, they're embarrassed. And me, I just, you know, I just let it all go. I tuck my head right under my shirt and just sneeze all over my bare stomach. It's rather disgusting, isn't it? Okay. You know what's even more disgusting? Diseases, such as uh, this continuing story from the June 12th, 1982. See, June 12th, 82, I was days away. I wasn't even four years old yet. So a three-year-old Richard Kaysen was watching the news on this day, not knowing what they were talking about. At the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, where 400 cases have been reported, a special task force has now been set up. One possibility, a rare herpes virus may attack the body's immune system, bringing with it the cancer or a lethal form of pneumonia. By finding the cause of this, we may be able to dissect out that part of the immune system that uh, prevents cancer in general. And there are more whys. Why just certain geographic areas? Why just certain groups? And most frightening, the possibility that the virus can be transmitted from person to person virtually a contagious form of cancer. Specialists argue that millions of dollars should be spent for research now. What we can learn from this group of individuals about cancer in general, how it's transmitted, what causes it, and hopefully how to stop it, is absolutely unbelievable. But there is almost no money being spent so far. There's a sign in the so window far. right there to help One New York group is raising cancer. a few thousand dollars for research by selling T-shirts. What did the spots look like? In San Francisco, a Kaposi sarcoma hotline opens, supported by private donations. Bobby Campbell spends one morning a week at the hospital for chemotherapy, for a disease that at the moment has not spread. When I came down with this disease, I found this button and it, it absolutely reflected my position. You know, I, I, I may be down, but I'm not out. For He's Bobby wearing Campbell, an I will it is a race button. against time. How long before he and others who have this disease finally have answers? finally have the hope like of a cure. Gary Peterson, CBS News, San Francisco. So, they didn't quite know what they were dealing with 
in June of 1982. They were calling it gay cancer. They didn't know if it was pneumonia, herpes. They didn't know what it was. They just knew that this disease had elements of or led to other diseases. Now, a few days later, over on NBC, in fact, this was on my birthday, June 17th, 1982, here's that evening's edition of NBC Nightly News with Tom Rokoff. Scientists at the National Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta today released the results of a study which shows that the lifestyle of some male homosexuals has triggered an epidemic of a rare form of cancer. Robert Bazell now in Atlanta. They were sure this was cancer. Bobby Campbell of San Francisco and Billy Walker of New York both suffer from a mysterious newly discovered disease which affects mostly homosexual men, but has also been found in heterosexual men and women. The condition severely weakens the body's ability to fight disease. Many victims get a rare form of cancer called Kaposi's sarcoma. Let's go ahead Others and just, get an uh, infection known as pneumocystis pneumonia. So that's NBC covering it. Now, I got one more one. One more one. One more for you. This is from December 10th, 1982, and by this time, the new virus had a name. They finally named it. This is from ABC7 in San Francisco, December 10th, 1982. Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome, or AIDS, started as an exclusively gay disease. This depression of the immune system can lead to a rare form of cancer, Kaposi's sarcoma, which shows up as those purplish spots. This cancer has a death rate of 80% two years after diagnosis. AIDS also causes unusual infections with death rates of 100% in two years. This is not a benign disease, nor is it limited to gays, as we are now finding out. So far, 75% of cases are homosexuals, but 14% are heterosexual drug addicts. 5% are non-drug-using heterosexuals with no other risk factors. 5% are Haitian refugees and 1% are hemophiliacs that who Haitian presumably caught it from blood transfusion. Females later are partners in the show of male drug addicts can get be. the disease and also infants of female drug addicts. What do we know so far? AIDS appears to be a virus transmitted through blood, semen, saliva, and other body secretions. There is a blood test for the disease. A study of the gay population in New York came up with some horrifying figures. It has been done in New York. And they found that this as many as 85 of like otherwise it. healthy gay men showed evidence of imbalance in these in these tests of the of the immune system. We suspect from from our experience here that that we would find a similar a similar finding. Given the incubation period of two years, there could be a major epidemic in the near future. Do you suspect that it's possible that this disease could be spreading from the gay population in San Francisco to non-gays in San Francisco and thence on to other cities? I suspect it, it is spreading and I suspect it will continue to, to spread to, to other areas of the country. In walking around the hospital today and talking to doctors and nurses, one gets a feeling that there is some fear on lockdown, among everybody. health professionals here about contracting shut this down disease the economy. themselves. Special precautions are now beginning to be applied to hospital personnel handling AIDS patients. For instance, gloves are worn when drawing blood. Although San Francisco General does Imagine not require that. gowns wow. and masks in handling AIDS patients, the Center blood. for Disease Control in Atlanta is now recommending that precaution to protect doctors and nurses. There's a lot of anxiety. All of us that are taking care of the patients go through, go through periods of personal anxiety about, about getting the disease. We don't know what we're dealing with and we don't know how it's spread. One major question raised is the safety of blood transfusions. The test for AIDS costs $160. Requiring it on all donors would make blood prohibitively expensive. 
Some have suggested not allowing gays to donate blood, but of course non-gays can have the disease also. What about the new hepatitis B vaccine? It's made from the blood of gay men. Its safety <laughs> is now that? being questioned. My understanding is that it's uh, oh, coming from gay men who have been victims of hepatitis B, uh, which is the same community where the AIDS is most rampant now, uh, since we don't know just what the infection... The AIDS, you know, in referring to that disease, AIDS just never caught on, did it? It takes a little too long to say. Jason Radio Network at 573-431-1000. Can you imagine such a thing? Prior to AIDS, medical staff weren't wearing gloves when drawing blood from a patient. I had no idea that the hepatitis B, or I'm sorry, hepatitis B vaccine was made from the blood of gay men that uh, I don't know, but it's, it's kind of like whenever you have an intestinal infection and they give you a, a crapsule, which is a, a capsule of someone else's fecal material. Maybe not giving that to the person, maybe that's where these infections begin with, is when we're giving... Yeah, they actually do that in hospitals to counteract the bacteria in you. Take this capsule of someone else's waste and <laughs> take two of these and call me in the morning. Now, by 1984, <laughs> by 1984, doctors were beginning to have a basic understanding of what was once known as gay cancer. In our cover story tonight, we'll talk with a leading scientist about his work in AIDS research. In this lab at the National Institutes of Health, the new illness that has attracted much media attention called Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome, or AIDS, is being carefully studied. Since the disease was first reported in the United States in mid-1981, scientists have been able to make some important breakthroughs in the discovery of what causes the disease. Well, the mo Now, young Jared, a future White Castle number one meal. If their stupid drive-through would be open at a reasonable hour, because apparently they're open from 11 to 7 and that's it. So said the sign they made out of a paper bag they taped to the speaker. Anyway, a future White Castle number one meal could be yours if you can name this voice. The most exciting breakthrough is, is unquestionably the fact that in just a few short years from the recognition that this disease exists, scientists have been able to identify and isolate the underlying cause or etiologic agent. And AIDS is caused by HTLV-3. The Public Health Service has received reports of about 5,800 cases of AIDS with a case fatality ratio of 45%. Any guesses? Sounds like a Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a Kennedy to you? That's what I thought. 
You are a liar, sir. Dr. Oh. Anthony Fauci is hopeful oh. that the answer to this dreaded disease Don't may curse. be in sight. I believe now that we have the agent in hand, that the amount of effort and energy that's being put into it by biomedical sciences, that within a reasonable period of time, we'll have a lot of these answers. Within a reasonable amount of time, we're going to have some of these answers. It took 30 years for AIDS to become manageable and not a virtual death sentence. But at no point, and I remember my mom saying things to me like, get that dollar bill out of your mouth. Someone with AIDS might have had that in their behind. Mom was always a straight shooter with me. She, she, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know why that could be the case. But she would tell me that, oh, okay, I'd take the dollar bill out of my mouth. I, I don't know what she was talking about. Well, you know, because homeless people have no purses or wallets, you know. But at no point were there ever AIDS lockdowns, orders to social distance, or a ban on casual sex. And you didn't have to prove that you didn't have AIDS to go places. The Democrats want any and all comers to be able to come and vote 16 times a day. No proof of who they are, but they want you to show papers that you've taken a vaccine that in dozens of cases has proven to kill people. Not every case, but in enough cases to make me go, eh, I don't think I'm going to get that. Just, that's... Just how I think. So a bunch of years goes by. Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush again. And then 9-11 happened. And then shortly after 9-11, you may recall letters with the bio agent known as Anthrax was sent to the New York Post. It was sent to NBC. I think even the band Anthrax got an Anthrax letter. At one Federal point. investigators say the 2001 Anthrax attacks case has been solved even though the suspect committed suicide before he could be arrested. CBS News correspondent Bob Orr has the latest. The FBI case against I didn't Bruce even know this case is not been airtight, but the circumstantial evidence makes a strong argument that the dead researcher had the means and the motive to be the killer behind the 2001 anthrax Jared, do you attacks. remember any of those? We have the person who, who committed those attacks, and we are confident that had this gone to trial, we would have proved him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. A flask of anthrax spores recovered from Ivan's Fort Detrick office in 2004 is as close as the FBI could come to a smoking gun. In an See, when it comes to anthrax, it takes about, oh, that much of, I mean, just like three or four grains of, you can kill 30,000 people. That's, and this guy was mailing it in letters, to, and people are just opening up. Right Investigators say Ivan's also lied to them and tried to implicate a co-worker. But strange behavior. I didn't send that anthrax, sir. That was the Sally. Letters were mailed. She's always trying to get me into trouble, to saying I'm sending Warning anthrax. Bin Laden terrorists for sure have anthrax and sarin gas, and have just decreed death to all Jews and all Americans. Language very similar to the threats made in the letters themselves. He sounds like a happy guy. Also, in the days leading up to the mailings, Ivan's kept very late hours alone in his lab. From September 14th to the 16th, 2001, he worked late each night. The first anthrax letter was postmarked September 18th. The pattern then was repeated before the second mailing on October 9th. Dr. Ivans had not spent this many off hours in the lab at any Sounds time. Sounds like before a villain, doesn't he, Dr. Ivans? Period. While the FBI believes it solved the case, an attorney for the Ivans family says nothing could be further from the truth. The evidence does not directly tie Ivans to the anthrax letters, but with the suspect now dead, the government will never have to prove that link. 
Bob or CBS News, Washington. At a time, I think that may be our guest down there, at a time when America was literally under attack by radical Islamic terrorists and letters with anthrax are getting mailed out. You know, who, who knew who was going to get one? That was the big scare back then. Who knew? Anyone could. Pinch of anthrax, that's enough to kill several dozen people, if not more. But at no time were there anthrax lockdowns or postal inspectors going through people's uh, outbox to make sure that you're not trying to start some sort of correspondence chemical war. We'll be right back. Another hour of the Richard Kaysen Radio Network straight ahead. Ben Bradley from the Mark McCloskey for U.S. Senate campaign is in the building, and we'll take a break from what we're doing to talk to him at the top of the next hour around 10.06. And maybe we'll take a phone call from you if you are actually able or sober enough to get to the telephone at 573-431-1000, 573-431-1000. I got a lot more disease montage here for you. Now check this out. We've gone through uh, AIDS, Anthrax. Now, this is by 2002, they finally started realizing that, hey, maybe this disease thing, maybe we can use this somehow, at least in my opinion. By 2002, there was a new virus to take our minds off of anthrax. That was what? West Nile virus. In about 80% of infections, people have fewer no symptoms. About 20% of people develop a fever, headache, vomiting, rash. Less than 1% of people encephalitis, meningitis occurs. Uh, Next, stiffness, confusion, seizures, recovery may take weeks to month. The risk of death among those in whom the nervous system is infected is about 10%. Now, here is Senator Ted Kennedy from 2002 asking a familiar voice how close we were to developing a West Nile virus vaccine. How close are we to the development of a vaccine? I just said that, Senator Kennedy. Thank you. The phase one trial where we put... Young Jared. If you would like to upgrade, the, well, well, you actually missed that question, but assuming that you went ahead and got it right, if you would like to upgrade the fries in that White Castle meal to onion rings right now, name this voice. And, and start uh, determining it's safety. It's not a Kennedy. The last guy was a Kennedy. Uh, hopefully, we, we, what we will have is about a year's worth of that and then go right into phase two. So I would imagine it's three or so years away, which is really light speed when you think in terms of the development of a vaccine. So we will likely have one, uh, if successful, within the next few years. That was 19 years ago. As of now, no vaccine. Young Jared, do you know who that was? Anthony Fauci. Correct. Once again, we think we're just a couple of years away from having, he said that about AIDS, and now he's saying that about West Nile virus. Now, in 2003, there was a whole new disease that came around. Let me get to that clip here with the time we have remaining. I put big blue marks in between all of these spaces. So, yeah, check this out. From uh, 2003, the latest outbreak of severe acute respiratory syndrome 
known as SARS. Do you remember SARS, Healthcare young Jared? Workers now make up a quarter of all victims. And SARS is becoming more aggressive. This is the when we first started seeing mainly weeks. members of Despite the Asian population wearing masks. I saw this around no Cape Girardeau forever. If there's any further outbreak of cases in a territory, I'm afraid that the public system will not able to help. Now, check this out. Um, April 26, 2002, this latest outbreak of... SARS in where? China. With eight confirmed or suspected cases so far, with hundreds quarantined, involves two researchers who are working with the virus in a Beijing research lab. That would be the Chinese Institute of Virology in Beijing. Do you see a pattern here? They like tinkering with diseases. They they think they got a good handle on it. They got their gowns and gloves on, and they're doing whatever they do. And they're tinkering with these things, taking them out of a bat, see what happens when we put it into a person, and we've seen the results. But we will take a break from this so that we can get the latest from the Mark McCloskey for U.S. Senate campaign with uh, Ben Bradley. That's coming up right here on the second hour of the Richard Kaysen Radio Network. So stay right where you is. This is the Parkland's News, Sports, and Weather Leader. AM 1240, KFMO, Park Hills, Farmington, Potosi, and online at KFMO.com. This is CBS News on the 